Hello, and welcome to the Community IT Innovators Technology Topics Podcast, where we discuss nonprofit technology, cybersecurity, tech project implementation, strategic planning, and nonprofit IT careers. Find us at communityit.com. Thank you for joining this Community IT Podcast Part 2. You can find Part 1 in your podcast feed if you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Community IT Innovators webinar, Building a Foundation for IT Innovation at Nonprofits. So my name is Carolyn Woodard. I'm Marketing Director at Community IT, and I'll be monitoring the Q&A in the chat today and helping Pat and Sarah with their presentation. Sure. My name is Patrick Spray. My name is Sarah. Um, so then moving on to, to IT basics, to, to, uh, to kind of the must-haves. Um, so I'm actually going to start with um, uh, infrastructure. Um, so in general, you want you know, good infrastructure. You want your staff to be using um, good uh, computers. Um, you know, if they're using slow computers, then you know, they're losing like you know, half an hour a day. That adds up. Um, to you know a lot of a lot of time loss you know two and a half hours a week uh, about ten hours a month um, so you want you you want people on on good computers you want to keep those computers up to date and replace them regularly um, you want to make sure that those computers are getting updated and patched um, and that you know any kind of any kind of data is being backed up you also want you know your your infrastructure systems to be maintain so a lot of these days a lot of infrastructure systems are in the cloud but you know if you have servers you need to replace those regularly um, other infrastructure such as firewall wireless um, network switches those kinds of things you want to uh, replace regularly as well um, when you are replacing something or, or making any other change um, you want to make sure that you are planning and and designing that around kind of what you need um, you know, we've been talking about how you don't always need the the latest and the greatest. Sometimes, um, what you want is just what gives you the the biggest bang for your buck. Um, so, but when you're implementing them, you know, again, the 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 change is or the technology is not really the the challenge. It's it's the change, and so you want to make sure that you are managing that change, um, that users are adopting it. Um, ideally, you know, you're looking for options that integrate with with what else you have, um, or finding ways to integrate them, um, you know, and that you are you are budgeting for those uh, changes for for not just the technology but also for the the change, and then um, that it is fitting into a bigger part of your strategy. The again, the the purpose of technology is to help you fulfill the mission of your organization. So your, you know, what you're doing with technology should be aligning with what you are doing as an organization and whatever the, you know, kind of the business goals of your organization are. Um, when you're planning, you should always be planning for security. Um, so we talk about identity management. So identity basically refers to your account or more often than not your accounts, since I'm sure all of you have different services that you um, log into. Um, and so if managing those identities, those different identities, those different accounts is, is is complicated or difficult. Um, you know, there are a couple options. Single sign-on is a great option, which you know lets you log into essentially one place, and then you are then given permission to access all of the different 
um, services that you need. Uh, Password Manager um, is a great choice. Um, I highly recommend them both professionally and personally. Um, I have one that I use, you know, just for my passwords, and then our organization has one that we use uh, more broadly. Access Control. So this, um, you know, we, we see this implemented strongly at some organizations and, and, you know, it's more open at others, but this is basically who has access to, to what at the organization. Generally, this is, this is in terms of files. You know, obviously, you probably want your finance files and your HR files locked down. Um, and maybe different teams have, you know, just, just have, you know, open access to their, their team files. You know, your, your uh, communications team or your marketing team may not be worried about other, you know, employees seeing you know, what campaigns they're running, for example. Um, but you do want, you know, some protection against um, people coming in from the outside and, and um, intruding on your um, IT, whether that's in the cloud, whether that's, you know, on-prem. Um, and then, of course, your organization may have compliance requirements that you need to uh, be responsible for or responsible to um, as well. Um, and then you want to have some operational support um, you want to have somewhere where you can go when you have a problem. Um, you know, we have a remote help desk. We also offer on-site services if, uh, you know, for those clients that they need or, or want to have somebody um, on-site. Um, and then we also have, you know, escalation. Uh, and we work with a lot of organizations that have an internal IT person who then, when they need to, they can either hand stuff off to us if they, things just get very busy, if they're on vacation, they can hand it to our help desk, or they can, you know, if it's if it's kind of beyond what they can handle, they can escalate it to our, our senior engineer team. Um, and then we also have a, a projects team or, you know, that specifically handles implementing um, projects. Those can be big projects, you know, we've, we've moved file systems from, you know, servers to the cloud, um, we implement MFA, uh, which can be um, a pretty small project, um, password managers. Um, uh, and then, you know, we're working on that to, uh, you know, through infrastructure, infrastructure maintenance as, as well. Um, one thing to mention is that, you know, hopefully all of this is underpinned um, by an, a policy uh, or IT policy that kind of governs what is expected and, and in what we want to see from IT. Um, so, you know, we strongly recommend kind of starting with, with, uh, with good policy. Uh, Sarah? Yeah, that actually is the final bullet on our IT, the second, you know, must-haves list. But um, just sort of reiterating that, you know, especially for nonprofits, we understand that, you know, Budgeting for things is very important and, you know, reducing the number of surprise purchases during a fiscal year is incredibly important. So having a hardware lifecycle management plan, um, some people call it a, a hardware refresh cycle, you know, is really important. And it's not just for computers, but it's for everything. You know, your firewalls, your wireless access points, if you have an on-premise server, anything that's a hardware is going to need to get replaced at some point. And so making sure that you do that and plan for that is important. Um, and then with like most, most organizations are in office 365 or Google workspace, whatever your platform is for email and file storage, you want to make sure you're using the right licenses. 
there are a lot of different varieties of licenses and they give access to various different tools that that platform provides. Some of them are able to give really robust cybersecurity, monitoring, help desk support capabilities, and you know, making sure that you are using the right license for what you need is really important. Sometimes it does require a little bit more investment than just using the 10 free business licenses, but it's worth it. Um, and then, you know, if you're in, regardless of whether or not you're in the cloud or on premise, you know, when everybody is, a lot of people are starting to work 100% or at least partially remotely. And so being able to have, you know, accessible files is one of the most important things, you know, to keep your uptime and keep your productivity up. Cloud storage is generally much more accessible and has a better uptime than having an on-premise server that you then have to remote into either through a VPN or a, a remote desktop like service, whatever that's using. So making sure that you have accessible files and usually it's accessible cloud storage is really important. Yeah, in addition to, to just being accessible, um, cloud storage is also a lot more flexible in, in terms of collaboration. Um, you know, you can share it not only with, with internal colleagues, but you can share it with external partners um, who can also collaborate on it. Um, of course, you want all of this to be secure. Um, so you wanna make sure that you are documenting things like access controls, like who has access to uh, different folders and different sections in terms of files. Um, you know, what, you know, folders maybe can be shared and what cannot be shared. Again, you probably don't want your finance uh, department folders to be shareable to external partners. Um, all of this, hopefully you have multi-factor authentication. One of the advantages actually of the cloud because of the economies of scale is that it's easier to implement things like multi-factor authentication than it is on say a, a server. Um, and you want your staff to be trained on security. So, you know, I, we use a, a product called Know Before, um, and, you know, that lets us send uh, test phishing emails. Um, it lets us send, you know, training modules to people. Um, and so we are, are training them, you know, pretty regularly and, and keeping that fresh and keeping that, that up to date um, and keeping them aware. Um, and then, you know, we want our, our collaboration tools. So whether it's Slack, whether it's Microsoft Teams, it could be Zoom, um, you know, it could just be email, but we want it to be secure and we want it to be well utilized. Um, so if you are introducing a tool that nobody's really using, then, you know, maybe you need to think about how best to to either, you know, work with the organization to, to you know, improve utilization, um, or you know maybe maybe it's just not a tool that people need or, or want to use, and then again to come back to IT governance governance we want um, you know IT to have an owner and we want there to be policy that says kind of what's expected, what is acceptable, what's an acceptable use of IT equipment. Um, excuse me, um, you know and and other. Other documents that may be useful are things like a, a disaster recovery or an incident response plan, um, so you know how and when to respond um, to to an incident, to an issue. And don't let those policies get made and then just sit on a shelf for seven years. 
they have to be constantly refreshed and checked to make sure that they are keeping up with the times. You know, we had a big tech jump happen throughout the pandemic and making sure that we, you know, have the IT governance and the documentations adapt to that is really important. Um, So we can go ahead and, you know, if you haven't already, um, I know Carolyn has put in a link in the chat already uh, for the PDF and free guide of this extended conversation. Um, but yes, we encourage everyone to, to download the guide. Um, and uh, if you want to go, I think the next slide is our um, takeaways to go back over the um, learning objectives. So being able to talk about um, uh, tech innovations in the news and our five dimensions that we went through of uh, diff- just different dimensions to think about for your nonprofit and how ready you are to um, pursue an innovation or even just to pursue a change in your IT. So it might be just an IT that's new to you um, and that you would need to, to have all this in order in order to to think about how successful or how to make it successful, basically. And then also to be able to describe as um, Pat and Sarah just went through kind of the, what we consider the basic foundations that every nonprofit needs to have in place in terms of IT. Um, and that's all also in the um, the download. So you can find it there if you if you were struggling to take notes there with all that good, good information. Um, so we did have a question come in through Q&A in an organization looking forward to implementing Salesforce. Is that an IT innovation in your opinion? Uh, if not, why not? And if yes, what are keys to implementation success with something like Salesforce? And it's, I'm not sure what um, what system they are moving to Salesforce from. Um, so I don't know, Pat, if you have any experience with that, you want to take on that question. Um, yeah. Um, so, so Salesforce is a, is a very flexible platform. Um, so I, the, the short answer is yes, it, it is an innovation. Um, you know, it's, it's worth, it's worth reflecting on that, you know, innovations don't need to be, you know, don't necessarily need to be the newest thing. They don't even need to be cutting edge. I mean, if you're on the cutting edge, you, you can get cut. And as nonprofits, um, we don't necessarily want to, to be the ones, you know, on that, that edge. Um, so I, the, yes, it's an innovation. Um, I, what I would say is, is, you know, make sure as you're, as you're developing it de, or deploying it rather, um, that you are, you're, you're testing it and that you are, um, that you are also, um, you know, maybe deploying it in, in small groups first. So you, you can, you know, think of having a pilot group. Um, I find that's extremely useful. Um, you know, they can try it out, they can give feedback. Um, you know, I, I mentioned in my experience with our document management system that when I asked for feedback, nobody had anything to say. Um, in reflection, it might've helped if I had, if I had had some like guiding questions to give them. Um, you know, first, so so you may want to develop just a survey. You know, as you're showing it to people and as you're training teams, just say like you know, um, some some questions to give them some guidance on the kind of things that you want them to respond with. Um, uh, and then, yeah, start start small, do it in groups, um, and then you know, hopefully spread it to the organization. Um, and I think you know, just remember to to 
keep reinforcing it because again, it's a habit change and, and changing habits is, is hard. You want to, you know, do all the things, um, you know, James, James Clear and his book, Atomic Habits is all about habit change, you know, New York Times bestseller. Um, he talks about, you know, making it easy, making it obvious, um, all those kinds of things as well. Um, yeah. So I hope that helps. Yeah. Um, I, we also had a little follow-up information. They are implementing Salesforce's that there's no previous system. And so it's all been carried in people's heads as institutional knowledge that they're sort of the only person for. So I think for that, you know, the first thing that comes to mind for me is build in the time, more time than you would expect to be able to get that information out of people's heads and into the actual system and try and understand their current process of how they do things and see how you can, you know, support some of those processes or, you know, how do you get them to merge into the Salesforce um, platform in, you know, as seamless a way as possible, because that's right, changing habits are hard. And if it's, you know, getting their process just into an external system, Sometimes it just really takes time for them to realize what they've been doing internally and put it into paper and then practice for other people. I agree. And I think that's a big investment. So I think you're also going to want to, as much as you can, make sure that your leadership are really modeling and using it and kind of showing rather than telling, right, how important it is to your organization as you move forward. so that is another um, another thing to think about. Um, so we, we have another question that has come in from uh, the Q&A. So um, AI, artificial intelligence, is also a way of innovating. Do we have ideas and experience with AI programs? And I think probably all of us have that the little experience of uh, Microsoft Clutter or um, the Vivo telling you like, you've been in this meeting for, do you want to end this meeting now? Because you need five minutes to get to your next meeting. So they have little AIs coming into our lives in all kinds of crazy ways. But um, I don't know, Pat or Sarah, if you've seen that, I want to take that on more of a specific AI um, use in a nonprofit. Yeah, in some ways, I'm I'm so I'm still waiting for AI to to develop more to um, to really see it um, uh, take its place. Where I've seen it, where I've seen it kind of introduced is in products that use um, AI. So Carolyn mentioned, um, you know, Microsoft is is integrating it into some of their products to help with kind of productivity. Um, I know one of the uh, one of the email security um, services that we offer, um, you know, impersonation protection, which also, you know, also known as CEO fraud, uh, protection. Um, and that kind of analyzes an email message and says like, well, is this, is this, you know, the address that this person usually sends from, you know, is there, are there any red flags? And so kind of the, the AI kind of looks at that and says, well, you know, this is asking you to, to, you know, to to do something immediately, like fill out a form because your account's been p- compromised, and that's very suspicious. So we're gonna, you know, junk that, that kind of thing. That's some of the ways that I've I've seen it done. 
Um, and of course, there are, you know, very often if you go to a website, you see a little like pop up that's like, hey, do you want to talk to somebody or do you want to talk to this, uh, you know, computer generated customer service representative to like, you know, figure out what product you want or that kind of thing. Um, so I've seen it in 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 those cases. Um, you know, none of those are really nonprofit uh, specific. Um, and so I, I think that's kind of, um, you know, the best the best kind of use cases that where I've seen it. I think I've also seen um, products uh, aimed at nonprofits in terms of um, AI that will scan your database for you and like kind of tell you when to contact your donors when they're more likely to, um, you know, don't give. Um, I think if that's kind of, for me right now, that seems a little bit um, like you were saying, Pat, too, on the cutting edge, like they're expensive programs. And again, it's like some technology or innovation kind of is trying to offer you a quick fix. Like if you just implement this program, you'll know where your major funders are in your database. But it's like if your database isn't in good shape, if you don't have good data in your database, having an AI look at it for you is not going to help you with your fundamental process problem at your nonprofit. So I think those are all kind of issues that you have to have a healthy skepticism about um, is that investment going to fix a problem or do we have a people problem that we need to fix? So I think we're getting close to time. Thank you so much for these great um, questions. And I I love thinking about all of this stuff. So I really appreciate um, the questions coming in. I want to make sure to tell everyone that we have another webinar coming up next month. Um, It's on June 15th at 3 p.m. Eastern. And that is going to be talking about Google Workspace. So we have a lot of nonprofits that are using Google uh, Workspace uh, for their entire um, organization or also having to try to integrate um, Google Workspace with an Office 365 environment. Um, So we have an expert, Steve Longenecker, uh, is going to talk about uh, all things Google Workspace for nonprofits next month. So we hope you'll come back and join us for that because it is a very uh, quickly growing platform that a lot of nonprofits are using and needing to manage. And there are a bunch of tools out there that uh, we're going to talk about. Um, So that is coming up next month. And I just want to thank you again, Pat and Sarah, so, so much for sharing your experience and expertise with us and helping us think about innovations and um, and IT foundations. So thank you very much, everyone. And um, thank you, Carolyn. Thank you. Thank you for joining this Community IT Podcast Part 2. You can find Part 1 in your podcast feed if you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Community IT does these free webinars and podcasts for our community, and we love sharing our knowledge and experience. If you have more questions or are having trouble with your IT at your nonprofit, please get in touch with us on our website, www.communityit.com, so we can start a conversation or schedule an assessment. Downloading any of our free resources there will get you signed up for our webinar reminders, and you can attend our next webinar in real time and ask our experts your own questions. If you love podcasts, please subscribe and leave us a rating to help others find this leadership resource for nonprofits.